Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church, growing in faith and friendship. The Bible reading is from Matthew chapter 5 and verses 38 to 48. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your others, your bro- if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Amen. The Sermon on the Mount, and particularly the section where Jesus talks about turning the other cheek and loving your enemy, is probably the most iconic of Jesus' teaching. And it's definitely the essence of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. But we need to understand something of the background here. Jesus, of course, was living in Israel, and during that time, the Romans had invaded and were occupying the land. As a result, the the Jews were being oppressed and exploited by their Roman overlords. They had to pay very high taxes to Rome. And so most of the people were very, very poor, except for a few who were very, very rich, largely because they were being complicit with the Romans, like the tax collectors. And it's within this context that a bunch of poor peasants, outcasts, start to follow Jesus. And there's nothing more that they would like to see than the end of Roman occupation and the end of taxes. And Jesus gathers his followers together onto a hill, and he starts to teach them. And we read in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 38... Jesus said, you have heard that it was said. And then he quotes from the Old Testament, from the Jewish law, from the law of Moses. Eye for eye and tooth for tooth. Now this phrase has been used to justify revenge and has often led to the escalation of violence and hatred. But that's totally to misunderstand its original intention and purpose. It was given to the judges to ensure that there was justice, to ensure that the punishment fitted the crime. In a cultural context where family feuds and blood revenge was rife, where the common taught was, if you kill one of ours, we will kill seven of yours. The principle of an eye for an eye 
was to ensure that there weren't any personal vendettas, to ensure that there wasn't an escalation of violence, but rather to ensure that there was justice, to ensure that the punishment fitted the crime. Only an eye for an eye. Now, we shouldn't think that this only applies to ancient times, because even when we are wronged, we want revenge. We don't just want to get even, we want to make them pay. Well, maybe it's just me. But when I'm driving on the motorway and someone hoots at me, immediately I want to catch them up and hoot back. And I don't just want to hoot once, I want to hoot multiple times. I want to teach them never to hoot at me again. You see, I'm not living by the principle of a hoot for a hoot. Now, I'm sure none of you are like that. But this principle of an eye for an eye, this law of tit for tat, is also seen in the way we love. Jesus says in verse 43, You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. In other words, love those who love you and hate those who hate you. Eye for eye, tit for tat. And this is the basic concept of retaliation. You harm me, I will harm you. But if you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. And it's this basic principle of retaliation that most people live by, and it's kind of what sort of defines us as humans. But then comes the shocking thing. Jesus says in verse 39, But I tell you, Do not resist an evil person. And he says in verse 44, But I tell you, love your enemies. Jesus is calling his followers to a whole new way of being human. A way that does not seek revenge. A way that doesn't join arm-resistant movements. A way that reflects the love of God. Now, Jesus is not saying we should not resist evil. The true essence of what Jesus is saying is that we should not resist evil with evil. We should resist evil, but we should resist evil in creative and nonviolent ways. We should resist evil with love. And Jesus gives us a couple of examples, illustrations of how we might resist evil in creative and nonviolent ways. We read in verse 39, Jesus says, If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Now it's significant that it mentions the right cheek. This implies that it's referring to a backhand slap to the right cheek, which was a huge insult in those days. It was implying that you were an inferior. This is something that a Roman overlord would do to a poor peasant. How should you respond to such an insult? Hitting back is just going to keep violence in circulation and probably make things a lot worse for you. So Jesus suggests that you should respond in a creative and nonviolent way by turning the other cheek. 
which implies hit me again if you would like, but this time as an equal, not an inferior. You see, if the first strike is with the backhand to the right cheek, turning your left cheek means that the next strike has to be with the forehand, hitting the person as an equal. And so the Roman overlord will be confused. He'll be like, well, I really want to hit this guy, but not like this, not like an equal. And so it's resisting evil in creative and nonviolent ways. Jesus also says in verse 40, And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. The rich and the powerful were exploiting the poor through very high taxes and alike. And when the poor peasant was unable to pay his debt, they were dragging them into court and literally suing them for the shirt off their back. How should they respond? Would Jesus suggest in a very creative and nonviolent way? Just imagine the scene. A rich guy drags this poor peasant into court and demands his shirt. The poor peasant says, you want my shirt? Okay, yeah, have it. In fact, take my coat as well. Bear in mind, that is all they used to wear. Can you imagine the court gasping as all of a sudden there's this naked peasant standing in the middle of the court and this red-faced rich man with a peasant shirt in one hand and his coat in the other. And Jesus is effectively saying... Shame them with your impoverished nakedness because that's what they've reduced you to. The third example Jesus gives is in verse 41. He says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them for two miles. Roman soldiers were allowed to force local citizens to carry their equipment for a mile, but only a mile. The Roman law was very clear and very strict on this. If, and you were not allowed to force someone to carry your equipment beyond one mile. And if you did, you would liable to be punished. So again, just imagine the scene. This Roman soldier forces this poor peasant to carry his equipment for a mile. After one mile, he says, okay, hand me back my bag. And the peasant says, no, it's okay, I'll carry it for another mile. And he keeps on going. I mean, the Roman soldier is going to be astonished, but also alarmed. Is his commanding officer watching? And so he would say, no, no, you must give me my bag back. In which the peasant said, no, look, it's fine, I'll, I'll carry it. And at this point, the Roman soldier will start begging, please, please, please give me my bag back. And it's resisting evil in creative and nonviolent ways. And with generosity. You see, when a wrong party responds with generosity towards the person who committed the wrong, it's immensely powerful. There was a, a black Christian leader in South Africa who was asked how he responded to the many times that he was humiliated and pushed around by whites during the apartheid era. He replied along these lines when he said, when I was forced to do some menial task, I would do it. And then I would turn around and say, boss, is there anything else I can do to help you?
And this would totally take the wind out of their sails as they simply couldn't believe that a wrong person would respond like that. Resisting evil in creative and nonviolent ways. But Jesus implies that it's not good enough just merely not to resist evil with evil. He suggests that we need to resist evil with love. Love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. But how? How do we do that? I mean, we obviously don't have loving feelings towards them. So how do we love them? Well, simply ask yourself, if I did love this person, what would I say to them? If I did love this person, what would I do for them? And then simply say that and do that. Treat them as if you do love them. Compliment them. Give them good gifts and pray for them. Pray for their well-being regularly. It's very difficult to hate someone that you're constantly praying for. But why should we do that? Why should we love our enemy? Well, it's only love that will break the cycle of hatred and bitterness and revenge. It's only love that can overcome evil. It's only love that can turn an enemy into a friend. And furthermore, if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus calls you to reflect the character and the love of God. Jesus says in verse 44, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. A, a child is meant to reflect the character of their parent, like father, like son. And we meant to reflect the character of God. And he continues, He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. In other words, God loves everyone without discrimination. It's an unrestricted, generous love. God even loves those who hate Him. And Jesus calls us, He dares us to love the way God loves. To love everyone, even our enemy. But is it even possible? Is it possible to love your enemy? Well, Jesus shows us that it is. You see, Jesus' teaching is not just good advice, it's good news. Jesus did it. When he was mocked, he did not respond. When he was struck, he took the pain. And when he was nailed onto a cross, he prayed. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And on the cross, love triumphed over evil. And Jesus is calling us, he's daring us to love our enemy.
Now many people in the past have taken up the challenge of Jesus to resist evil in nonviolent ways and through love of enemy. People like Gandhi, Martin Luther King, Bishop Tutu, Nelson Mandela. They all played a significant role in overcoming evil through nonviolence and through love of enemy. They all suffered, but ultimately triumphed. No one can doubt the unjust suffering that Martin Luther King endured before he was assassinated. Dr. Benjamin May summed them up at his funeral where he said, If anyone knew the meaning of suffering, King knew. House bombed, living day by day for 14 years under the constant threat of death, maliciously accused of being a communist, falsely accused of being insincere, stabbed by a member of his own race, hit in a hotel lobby, jailed over 14 times, and occasionally deeply hurt when his friends betrayed him. Yet there was no bitterness in his heart, no animosity in his soul, no revenge in his mind, and he went up and down the length and the breadth of this world preaching nonviolence and the redemptive power of love. For, for my honeymoon, uh, Victoria and I went to the Maldives. And, and we just so happened, by chance, to be at one of the islands that had this amazing surf. And, and, and it just so happened by chance that I had my surfboard with me. So I planned that one well. <laughs> and so every morning, really early, while Victoria was still fast asleep, I would get up and I would go surfing. And it was great. Everyone else was asleep. There were only a few of us in the water. And the surf was amazing. But then one day, this mean-looking Brazilian paddled out. He was bald, he was covered in tattoos, and he was big. And he looked like he was the local enforcer at his home break. And he paddled up to me and he said, Hey, you, what are you doing here? You can't surf while I'm surfing. Get out. So I thought what I would do is I would move on to the inside, right onto the inside where the smaller waves were, right out of his way. I didn't do this because of love of enemy. I did this because he was bigger than me and he looked scary. I watched him catch a couple of waves and uh, he really wasn't that good. I mean, he was okay. He was okay, so, but he wasn't really that good. And I thought, how typical of a guy with an attitude. They're normally not that good. However, he did manage to catch one really big wave and it was barreling. You know how surfers love to get in the barrel where the wave breaks over you? The only problem was he wasn't in the barrel. But when he pulled off the wave, he started cheering himself. Whoa, did you see my barrel? You can remember at the time thinking, how sad. As he was paddling out, I had this intuition that he needed love. I can only imagine it was the Spirit of God speaking to me because it's definitely not something I would normally be thinking. But as he came past, I suddenly went up to him and I said, Wow, that was an amazing wave. Awesome. The next thing, we were like besties. 
We were like best of friends. He was like, hey, you, you come over here and surf with me. And every time we would go into the restaurant at the hotel, he would wave to me, and we suddenly became friends. You see, only love can overcome evil. The problem with the old eye-for-eye principle, the law for tit-for-tat, is that at best, it can only prevent evil and hatred from spiraling out of control. But it can never overcome evil. It can never bring about true reconciliation. Only love can overcome evil. Only love can turn an enemy into a friend. And today, Jesus is calling us. He's daring us to love our enemy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are love. That you love us so much. That you loved us even when, when we didn't love you. Even when we had turned our backs on you and we didn't want anything to do with you. You still loved us. You loved us so much that you came to seek us, find us, and forgive us. And reconcile us into a relationship with you. And Father, we pray that we would be able to receive your love and that through receiving your love, you would enable us to do the most unnatural thing and start loving our enemies. And Father, we confess it's hard that every part of us just wants to retaliate, to get even, to pay them back. Father, won't you help us to forgive, help us to love like you love. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.